one constant through all the years, Ray. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. It's the sexy voice show on Beyond the Game. <laughs> Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game. Oh, I hurt them so much. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. That is a career ender. Just like this show. Please clap. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beyond the Game. Yes, it's not Benson. It's just Zach. I'm flying solo this week. I'm filling in for Benson. It's been a long time since I did a show by myself. It was, I think, late July or early August of last year, which is too long, I think. So, Benson is conveniently disappeared this week. And it's just me, Zach, and the iPad are your hosts this morning, talking sports from a faith-paced perspective. I'm going to take you on a magical tour through the world of sports the way I see it. I'm going to rock your face off with some bumpers from my favorite songs. We're going to have a good time, so strap in. Let's go. Remember Kobe Bryant's Dear Basketball Retirement Poem? Well, you're going to be seeing a lot more of it because Sports Illustrated is apparently making it into an animated short film. That's right, Kobe's Dear Basketball Poem is going to be a movie all its own. Uh, They're going big with it. They've hired an animator who did movies such as Tangled and The Little Mermaid. The music will be done by none other than John Williams, who of course scored the music for Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Jaws. Basically every movie worth seeing was scored by John Williams, which got me thinking, this could be an epic. We could make this big. This could be huge. So I've dreamed up a little sample of what it could sound like. Dear Basketball From the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western Forum, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. Anyways, it's a work in progress. Just an idea. Definitely something I'd be interested in seeing when it comes out if there's explosions in John Williams' music. You know how sometimes you have an idea of how a person is... And you hear a story about them, and it's crazy, and it's outlandish, but you're like, yeah, okay, I could kind of see that happening. Well, enter Donald Trump. He would take his pants off and moon everybody. All right. Uh, Former boxer Oscar De De La Hoya told this story about Donald Trump recently, and it was one of those stories where I heard it, and I was like, that's kind of ridiculous, but I could totally see that happening. Anyways, Oscar De La Hoya was joined for a round of golf at one of Trump's courses by Trump himself, and De La Hoya told the Associated Press recently, I caught him cheating. It was unbelievable, but I guess it was his course, so it was his rules. De La Hoya said they, he and his party were joined by Trump, and what unfolded was pretty unbelievable to him, according to CBS Sports. He said uh, De La Hoya let Trump hit his ball first. Trump hits his first ball into the water, second out of bounds, third into the water again, fourth ball into the bushes. According to De La Hoya, quote, Donald, what he does is he tees off first, so we go off to our balls, and what do we see? But Donald Trump, right in the middle of the fairway, he said, hey, look, I found my first ball. That is, of course, the first ball that went into the water. 
it shows something about his character, said De La Hoya. Golf is a gentleman's sport. You don't lie about your score. You don't lie about moving your ball. It goes to show what we're dealing with. I, again, I, we try not to get political on this show, um, but sometimes the political world and the sports world intersect. In this case, it's on a golf course. And with all the stuff that Donald Trump says, does, has done, has said, you hear about something like this where... He hits four balls into crazy places, and finally he drops one on the fairway and says, Oh, I found it. Here's my shot. Is it ridiculous? Yes. Is it true? Probably. Another story that made me laugh uh, this past week is the story of Eli Apple's mom. Eli Apple, of course, was the uh, first-round pick of the New York Giants, a cornerback that they acquired. Uh, The pick was panned a little bit by experts because... He wasn't the number one rated cornerback on the board. The Giants liked him. They got into position to take him, and they took him. It didn't take long for people to discover that Eli Apple's mom is awesome. She's hilarious. She went on Twitter uh, taking to task the many ladies on Twitter, the thirsty girls, as she said, who were sending pictures of themselves uh, to her son on Twitter. That got her into the spotlight, and people started digging through her Twitter, finding all the absolute gold that is to be found there. She's at at Surviving America. So she was interviewed by Sports Illustrated about draft night with her son Eli, and she had this to say, and it was great. This is from Sports Illustrated. I turned my attention to how Eli would look on draft day and for his first team press conference. For the draft, I wanted to go with a more classic look, and no one does classic better than Tom Ford. A friend of ours who happens to be a gifted tailor gave us the looks, and I chose a classic black suit for the draft and a blue suit for his team press conference. It was kind of weird that I agreed to a blue suit when Eli's projected teams were Miami, Pittsburgh, and Oakland, but I wanted to keep it classic and clean. Here's where it gets good. Eli was offered Rolex watches and diamonds to wear on draft day. I told him, dude... You're an unemployed college dropout. You will not be on TV with a Rolex. So we decided if he was going to need to know what time it was, he could just look at his phone. I bought him a portable charger. Eli Apple's mom is great. She's hilarious. Dude, you're an unemployed college dropout. You will not be on TV with a Rolex. He's about to be a millionaire, but mom's making sure he's got his priorities straight. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, one of the reasons the Giants valued him so highly was that I'm sure they looked into his family life and uncovered a great deal about that. They were probably impressed with his mom. So, Eli Apple, you could thank your mom for the millions of dollars that you're getting from the New York Giants. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Benson is again uh, out this week. Uh, This is Zach and the iPad filling in. We're going to be your host this morning. Coming up on the show, I'm going to do a new segment that we haven't done before. It's one I'm going to do to fill time since I'm here by myself. We're going to talk about who's trending up. Who's trending down? Some teams and players that are having a good week, seeing their stock rise, seeing their stock fall. I'm going to have a bunch of our normal segments. That's all coming up later on Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Town & Country has been in business for nearly three successful decades. They know how to get the job done. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown. Well, just about any place that you can pick up this radio station is a place Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country technicians are friendly, professional, and most important, knowledgeable. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't? Call Town & Country. Bees. 
Wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, you name it. Call Town & Country. Even raccoons and larger animals. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 585-426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. I've been telling you about McAfee's Remodeling Company on this show for a long time. They're family-owned and have been in business for nearly two decades. They're great for all your interior and exterior home remodeling needs, but they also do much more. McAfee's Remodeling is now proud to offer Hydro Garden Construction to help you become more self-sufficient by growing food in your own home year-round. And they are now proud to be offering skylights and light tunnel installation. Light tunnels bring more healthy natural light into your home, allowing you to use less artificial light and save on electricity. So give McAfee's Remodeling a call at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. I am Zach Barletta. I'm filling in here with my trusty iPad for Benson as he is not available this week. At this point in the show, I'd like to do a little segment we call The Most Awesome Thing I Saw This Week. And now it's time for The Most Awesome Thing I Saw This Week. Everything is awesome. This week, the most awesome thing I saw was the workout video of Miami Marlins slugger Giancarlo Stanton. It was a Star Wars-themed workout video, and in case you haven't noticed from the roughly ten and a half minutes of this show that have passed so far, I'm a big Star Wars guy, Benson's a big Star Wars guy, we're a big Star Wars show, really. But anyways, Giancarlo Stanton did this workout video that I saw this week where he's working out at a machine in the gym, wearing a giant furry Chewbacca head. Not just a mask, but it looks like it just like the whole head, a Chewbacca head, on Giancarlo Stanton. He's working out. He It's just a guy getting his work in with a funny mask on until suddenly dramatic music, Star Wars music, starts playing. Then you can see he looks up, and you hear blaster fire coming in from off screen, and Giancarlo Chewy Stanton dives off the workout machine, and he rolls across the gym floor, and he grabs some random piece of gym equipment. I'm fat, so I don't know what it was because I don't use it. And he puts it up to his shoulder and he starts returning blaster fire with it. And that was the video and it was hilarious. If you haven't seen this Giancarlo Stanton Star Wars workout video, do yourself a favor. Quit your job, go home and look it up and see it because it is funny. Something I thought I wanted to try doing this week, since I'm doing the show by myself, is I'd like to take a look at some teams and maybe players who are either trending up or trending down this week in sports. We hear that term a lot, trending up, trending down, the arrows pointing in the right direction, whatever the the cliche is. But first, here's a few, here's five who are trending up. The arrow is pointing in the right direction. The first one I thought of was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, 
The draft happened last weekend. We touched on it a little on last week's show, but it was still ongoing, so we didn't want to say anything too much about it. The Jacksonville Jaguars, though, by basically any site that you go to will tell you they absolutely crushed the draft. They owned it. They did exactly what they wanted to do. They were picking at five. The the pretty much consensus best player in the draft is cornerback Jalen Ramsey, who fell to them at five. In the second round, they get Miles Jack, who, if he was completely 100% guaranteed healthy, would have been, people say, a top five pick. So they basically got two top five picks in the first two rounds. They continued to just go on and get everyone they wanted in the draft. And this is a team who had a very, very good offense last year, scored a bunch of touchdowns. They've got they've got their franchise quarterback in Blake Bortles, who's just slinging it all over the place. They've got a top tandem of wide receivers in Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. They have got young running back TJ Yeldon, experienced running back Chris Ivory. They're going to score points, but the defense was really where they struggled, and the defense is the reason why they were picking so high in the draft. They used their first rounder last year on Dante Fowler. He got hurt right at the beginning of camp, missed the whole season. So in addition to the two guys they drafted this year, Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack, throw in Dante Fowler as an additional first-round pick. You basically got three first-round guys that have never played a down in the NFL added to this roster for this year, in addition to what they did through the rest of the draft, which was also stellar, by the way. And this is a team with a high-scoring offense who just infused a ton of talent into that defense. It's hard not to see them being much better. And with the rest, the, with the way the rest of that division looks, I texted Benson and Darren several weeks ago. We were talking about football and the Jaguars come up. And I said, by the way, the Jaguars are a playoff team this year. And that was well before the draft. I, I got to find a screenshot of it so I can prove it when they make the playoffs this year and look like a genius but how does this team miss the playoffs? In that division, with this much talent added, with a defensive-minded coach like Gus Bradley, the needle is firmly pointed up for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love, love, love what they did. Another team, and this is going to sound like a homer pick, but look around. Look around on the internet. People love what the Buffalo Bills did in the draft, too. Uh Again, their offense was surprisingly good. I don't think anybody expected it. We didn't know what to expect from Tyrod Taylor. And surprise, surprise, he was actually pretty good. Rex Ryan finally picked a quarterback that played well. That was the biggest shocker, I think, for me. But the defense, which was everybody... You don't need to know anything at all about football, but you know that Rex Ryan coaches good defenses because he'll tell you, everyone else will tell you, you've heard it, okay? The defense was bad. I mean, he took a very good defense, and it looked like dog poop. It was very bad. So the Bills went into the draft looking to address it. Boom. They got their Mario Williams replacement in Shaq Lawson. How he fell to them at 19, I'm not sure. Most of the mocks I looked at had him going at 10 or 11. It was like Christmas for the Bills at 19. Then Reggie Ragland, who's the big hitting Uh, inside linebacker run stuffer that they needed who by the way two years ago when the defense was good they had Brandon Spikes last year they did not hopefully Reggie Ragland fixes that becomes their Brandon Spikes in the middle crushing dudes on the run he was a guy the Bills said they would have taken at 19 in the first round had Lawson not fallen to them and then they pick uh, a defensive tackle whose name escapes me 
who can play really anywhere on the line. He's a classic Rex Ryan guy. Adolphus Washington, that's his name. Adolphus Washington. How I couldn't remember that, I'm sorry. He's a guy that Rex Ryan likes who can move around and play different positions, doesn't need to be subbed out in certain packages. They filled a lot of other holes throughout the rest of their rounds. I really like what they did. They really shored up where they needed to shore up. And really, there's no excuses for Rex Ryan now. There's no excuses because he's got his guys. Mario Williams was obviously not one of his guys. Um, Mario will tell you. I'm sure Rex would tell you. These are his guys. Rex got what he wanted in the draft. So if the defense is this year like it was last year, there's really no excuses for Rex Ryan. The Bills, I thought, had a really, really productive draft. Another team who's trending in the right direction is the Chicago White Sox. Um, they are, as of this recording, they're 19-9. and They're in first place in the AL Central. And I, I got to be honest, I had to look up some research on baseball reference before doing the show because I was like, how are they doing this? It's the White Sox. You know, who? what are the White Sox doing? Well, they're doing it with starting pitching. Three of the pitchers in their starting rotation have an ERA of less than two. Chris Sale, by the way, who I picked as my American League Cy Young pick uh, when we did our baseball predictions, yeah, that dude's 6-0, and all right? That pick is looking pretty good. Jose Quintana, ERA under two. Matt Latos. Now, Matt Latos, he's been around long enough. We know who Matt Latos is. He's not this good. But he's 4-0 with an ERA under two. They are doing it with pitching. By the way, John Danks was released. He's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball. They finally had enough of him. He's gone. So they got better addition by subtraction there. But the White Sox, I know it's been a month, but... I mean, you're 10 games over 500. It's a small sample size, but they don't seem to be slowing down. It's got to be a fun time to be a baseball fan in Chicago because finally both teams are good at the same time. And, you know, there's there's some elder statesmen on that team, the White Sox team, but there's a lot of youth, a lot of young players that are sort of learning about winning at the major league level right now, and they are a fun team to watch. And, you know, at the start of the season we had that... Um, the LaRoche thing, the Adam LaRoche thing, where, you know, he retired because he was told not to bring his kid in the clubhouse so much, and teammates and players were angry, and there were teammates who had anonymously, quietly gone and asked, hey, can he not have his kid around so much? And it was this huge scenario, and we're like, oh, well, their season is dog meat before the season's even started, you know, how are they going to get past this, the clubhouse is going to be divided, and blah, blah, blah. Well, apparently they're handling it just fine because they're in first place and showing no signs of slowing down. Another team that I think is really, really trending in the right direction is the Philadelphia Phillies, which, I mean, raise your hand if you saw this coming because they are right now... 16 and 13 as I record this. They're above 500. They've won 7 of their last 10. Their pitching rotation is so young and so good and so much fun to watch. I gotta tell you, I've watched 4 or 5 Phillies games already this year, just in the first month of the season. I like to watch games where the pitchers on my fantasy team are pitching. And I've got Max Scherzer and Noah Syndergaard, and they face the Phillies a lot. So I've seen 4 or 5 Phillies games. Their pitchers are so fun to watch. Jared Eikhoff, Aaron Nola, Vince Velasquez had that 16 strikeout game a couple weeks ago. 
the Phillies are fun to watch. I it's almost like they know everyone pick them to lose like a hundred games. They have zero expectations and zero pressure. And they are having fun. They are young. They are having fun. Their pitching is fantastic. And honestly, I think they're scoring just enough runs, albeit with a lineup full of guys you have never heard of. They are scoring just enough runs. That pitching staff is so good that it's stealing games for them here and there. Now, this is not going to keep up. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to be in the race. They're... They're above 500, but they're in third place in the East. They are looking up at the Mets and the Nationals, and that's going to continue for a while. But they're fun, you know? They are they are more fun to watch than the Yankees are right now, and I am a Yankees fan. In fact, I have watched... I was talking to Benson about this today before I came into the studio. I have watched the fewest Yankees games so far this season than I think any first month of the season I can remember. I just... The Yankees, and we'll talk about them later, but they are what they are, and what they are is not very good. But the Phillies are young, and they're fun, and I find myself, when I'm turning my TV on in the evening, I'm, I'm looking to see, oh, am I going to get a Phillies game tonight? Can I see who are the Phillies playing? Because they're just fun, you know, and they're they're just enjoyable. And uh, the fifth team, the last team of the teams that are trending up, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins. And boy, does it really stick a knife in my gut to say that. Because I'm a New York Ranger fan. We've been over that. The Penguins are blood enemies, mortal rivals. I really hate them. But you know what? They are fun to watch, too. I, It's a little bit okay for me because I can root for Carl Hagelin, one of my favorite former Rangers, who I now have to watch wear the black and gold of Pittsburgh. But they are... I mean, they were... Not so long ago, they were trying to claw their way up into a playoff spot. They got off to a bad start under Mike Johnston, their former head coach. He gets fired just weeks into the season. Sullivan gets picked to replace him. And almost immediately, that team turns around. They're playing a different brand of hockey. They're playing better hockey. I looked at a scoring graph because Shane texted me. Uh, If you're new to the show, Pastor Shane was... Uh, on the show for quite a while. He was the producer before me. He's from Pittsburgh. He's a big Penguins fan. But he had texted me and he said that he thought that Sidney Crosby had LeBron james Mike Johnston, where you had a star that wasn't happy and got the coach fired. I don't know about that. I never read about any beef between the two guys. But Sidney Crosby, on the graph that I looked at recently when Shane texted me that, the lowest scoring point of his entire career, which is, I believe, 10 seasons now, was under Mike Johnston. And I got to think, if you're the front office of the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're looking at graphs similar to that and that information, and you're seeing this is not only the face of our franchise, but our superstar face of the league. This guy, the lowest point of his career is right now under this coach. Maybe this coach isn't the right coach for this team. They made the change to Jim Sullivan and it's night and day. This team went on a tear. They passed by a whole bunch of teams. They made the playoffs. They dispatched of the Rangers very easily. They are doing the same to the Capitals. Maybe I shouldn't say doing quite the same. It's not easy. They've been close, hard-fought games. Very physical games. A lot of guys getting suspended for headshots in this series. Which tells you about the intensity of the series. But as I record this, the Penguins have a 3-1 to series lead. It looks like they're moving on. I just think 
they're a team you do not want to face right now. I had planned to do my trending up and trending down teams all together as one segment, but what do you know? I got long-winded. I got to squeeze a break in here. So coming up after the break, we'll get to my teams that are trending downwards right now in sports. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Remember when a small business needed a landline? Today, landlines are a thing of the past with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. On the road, at the beach, or at home, Grasshopper helps you grow your business. Get all the features of a business phone system and the freedom of a cell phone with our iPhone and Android apps. Features include multiple extensions for your team, calls forwarded to your mobile phones, voicemails transcribed and emailed, and so much more. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. The Home Depot has found a way to put more drill on your patio with less cash from your pocket. The Huntington two-burner gas grill with side burner for just $119. You save 20 bucks, and you get a rust-resistant cast aluminum cookbox with a 10-year warranty, a handy side burner, and enough cash left over for a nice thick ribeye or two. Bring on spring with the Huntington two-burner gas grill, just $119, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Valen Connell, U.S. only. See store for details. Beyond the game, talking sports from a different point of view. Barry Bonds never took steroids. It's a faith-based sports radio program. Don't ruin it by being an idiot. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. Have a high moral standard. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. How silly can you get? You want to heckle blind people? That would make me soil my pants. Dude. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Again, it's Zach Barletta sitting in for Rick Benson this week. Before the break, I was giving you my list of top teams that I think are trending upwards. They're headed in the right direction. Good things are happening for them. The last team that I mentioned was the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, of course, talking about what the Penguins are doing in this series brings me to the Washington Capitals, the first on my list that are trending down. And really, it's not so much the Capitals as it is Alex Ovechkin. Alex Ovechkin has this stigma attached to him that he just can't get his team deep into the playoffs. He's the captain of the team. Whether he should be or not is not for me to say, but but, but I don't think so. But anyways... He's got the stigma attached to him that they, they always get to the playoffs and he just can't get them over the hump. And I, I understand it's a team sport. One guy does not a champion make, but still, he they're there all the time. Now, usually they're getting into the playoffs and then getting beat in seven games by the Rangers. Um, those series have probably taken a combined seven or eight years off of my life as a Ranger fan. But... Uh, Eventually, you get to the point where, look, the team around him has changed over the years. Coaches have changed over the years. The one constant that's been here through all of these early playoff exits is Alex Ovechkin. And fair or not, earned or not, he has this reputation now a decade into his NHL career of a guy who gets his team to the playoffs but can't get them to the ultimate prize, can't even get them to the cup finals. And here, 
as I record this, they're on the doorstep of being bounced by the Penguins. By the time this airs, may have already happened. But I gotta say, Alex Ovechkin is really not trending in the right direction because that's going to be the talking point when this is done. This is going to be the talking point. Well, we're not surprised. The caps are out. That's what Ovechkin does. He can't win the big one, you know? And it's kind of a shame. As much as I dislike him, as much as I really can't stand him, he's such an elite talent and such a great player. A player of that level deserves at least a shot at the Stanley Cup. It deserves to be in the Cup Finals. Deserves to maybe get his name on the Cup at some point. And you got to think, they were the number one team in hockey by a wide margin this year. I mean, they steamrolled the league to the on their way to the number one seed, and it wasn't even close. And then to get in the playoffs, um, get to the second round, and just get blown by by the Penguins like this, you got to wonder if they're ever going to have a shot this good again. If this was Ovechkin's last shot at the Cup, this is really a disappointing ending, especially when he and Crosby, Sidney Crosby, the two of them are interconnected so much because they came into the league in the same draft. Um, they're in the playoffs uh, every year. Um, they're the they're really the two elite guys you know, even Darren, who knows nothing about hockey, will tell you he knows nothing about hockey and doesn't care about hockey. The two guys that he knows when he has to bring up hockey names, he says Ovechkin and Crosby. Those two guys are interconnected, and Crosby has, you know, he's going for another cup this year. Or Ovechkin has not even been to the cup finals, and Crosby's going for another cup. And it's just unfortunate that a guy, an elite guy, maybe the top scorer of this generation in Alex Ovechkin has not really had a shot like Crosby has had. Another name I think is trending down at this point is the Dallas Cowboys. And this one I think might be, of all the teams that I've mentioned and will mention, might be the most controversial because depending on who you read, the Dallas Cowboys either had the best draft of any team last week or one of the worst. And I happen to think it was one of the worst. That's why they're on my trending down list. It's not rocket science. But the Cowboys, I think the problem with them, and I've heard this mentioned before, and I wish I knew who said it because they're a genius. But the problem with the Cowboys is how the Cowboys see themselves. Which I guess how Jerry Jones sees the Cowboys. Jerry Jones looks at the Cowboys, and he sees a team that's basically... Super Bowl ready. Just needs a few pieces here and there, a little tinkering. He sees a team that's ready to compete. And most other people look at the Cowboys and we're like, no, dude, no, they're a mess. You know, this is a team that needs a lot of, I think, defensive help, secondary help. They need receivers. They were kind of exposed that when they lost Romo and Des Bryant, they didn't have anything to turn to. And so what do they do with the number four pick? They take Ezekiel Elliott. Now, Ezekiel Elliott's a fantastic running back. He's a great talent, and he's going to be a superstar immediately in Dallas. But at number four, probably they could have traded down, picked up more picks along the way, still gotten him, or, you know, maybe taken the best player in the draft, cornerback Jalen Ramsey, who went the pick after that. Or maybe Miles Jack, or maybe there were so many great defensive players that could have really helped this team. 
And yeah, they got their prospect quarterback and Dak Prescott later on in the draft. Yeah. And then in the second round, they take a guy and Jalen Smith, who's not going to play this year. His knee is torn to shreds. He may never play. Chances are he'll play next year. The Cowboys have said they think he'll be ready for the playoffs. But again, this is a team that's assuming, yeah, we'll be in the playoffs without him, and then we'll get him for the playoffs, and then we'll be unstoppable. This is a team that really needs to rethink how they look at themselves. The draft really exposed that, and I really don't think they did much to help themselves right away in this draft. Another team that's trending in the wrong direction right now is Texas A&M football. I'm not just talking about quarterback Tate Martell announcing that he's dropping his commitment to the Aggies. I'm talking about what happened after that on Twitter. Wide receivers coach Aaron Moorhead went on Twitter and went on an absolute rant about how among kids these days, there's no loyalty, there's no value to or meaning to the word commitment and, and all of this stuff. And he goes off and he never mentions Tate Martell, but you can tell that's what he's thinking of. I mean, it's minutes later. It can't be a coincidence. Moorhead posted about half a dozen tweets over the period of an hour and a half, and it got worse. Manny Netherly, a commit to the Aggies, posted on Twitter, After tonight, I see what kind of person my future coach is, and I myself don't want to play for someone like that, so without further ado, I would like to announce that I am decommitting from Texas A&M. Moorhead went on to apologize to the coach and the school. He apologized on Twitter, of course, because that's where he does all of his damage. But by then, the school had lost not only a quarterback commit, but a wide receiver as well. Not a great look for Texas A&M. Another team I think is trending in the wrong direction, and this one hits close to home, is the New York Rangers. I've lamented on this show before that I don't like their coach, I don't like the defense, they're headed the wrong direction. They got more bad news this week as the NF- the NHL met to decide on rules for a possible expansion draft if an expansion team is added for next season. And what they decided was that teams who have players with no movement clauses, clauses in their contract that state they cannot be traded or demoted to the minors, will automatically have to be protected by their teams. The players that are the biggest problem for the Rangers are Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl, overpaid defensemen who really can't handle it anymore and have no-move clauses, now the Rangers have to protect them. They can't let them be taken in the draft and have those contracts off the books. And the spots that they have to use to protect those guys will not be used to protect some of their younger, cheaper players who should be on the roster right now but aren't. Not a good time for the Rangers either. The last team on this list... Also hits close to home, it's the New York Yankees. I mentioned them earlier. I said we'll get back to them. We're back to them now. The Yankees are well below 500. They have a worse record than the Philadelphia Phillies. All right, A team that most coming into the season said would be well, well behind the Yankees. I myself had the Yankees as a wild card team. I don't think the other guys did. But this is where, this is where I'm kind of going to camp out for a little while because... There's something that's been on my mind. I've talked about it with the guys, and I think we're in agreement. The Yankees have finished each season with a winning record since before Miley Cyrus was born. In fact, they're only two seasons behind the Detroit Red Wings. 
for the longest such streak in professional sports. But it seems more and more likely now that this year will mark the end of that streak. As I record this, they are in the last place in the AL East, seven games under five hundred. To put that into perspective, as I said, they've won seven fewer games than the Philadelphia Phillies have. At one point this season, the Yankees went 0-30 for with runners in scoring position. Failure to drive in base runners has been a calling card of the Yankees for several seasons now. The roster has changed, the batting order has changed, the hitting coaches have changed, but what has not changed has been the manager, Joe Girardi. I'm not here to say authoritatively that Girardi should be fired. That's a decision that's obviously made by much smarter, better-informed baseball people than I am. But it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. Girardi got the job because he was part of those great Yankee dynasty teams. He was familiar with the Yankee way. He knew how to manage big personalities and large egos. He knew how to keep superstars happy in the bright lights of New York. Well, look at this team. The few stars or former stars who are left will be gone soon. Mark Teixeira, Carlos Beltran are free agents after this year. CeCe Sabathia and Alex Rodriguez will be after next year. The Yankees are clearly prioritizing youth as they overhaul the roster, bringing in talented young players like Aaron Hicks and Starlin Castro who just need a change of scenery. With that type of ongoing roster construction, you really don't need a manager to massage big egos. You need someone who knows how to bring young guys along. I'm not sure, honestly, that that's Joe Girardi. Girardi also has never been good at managing a bullpen, which I suppose is something he learned from Joe Torre. Look, I'm not here to slam Joe Girardi. I like Joe Girardi. But looking at the results, which are what really matters in baseball, they're ugly. Even the best managers eventually lose their jobs when they've been in one place too long and their message gets old. And the Yankees would be crazy not to at least consider the option of making a change. I don't know who's out there. I don't know who you replace him with. And I'm not saying that you make a change just to make a change. Joe Girardi's been in New York a long time, and you see all the time where a guy who's been long tenured is let go, fresh blood comes in, shake things up, and the team turns around quicker than expected. I'm not saying that that's guaranteed to be the case, but I think it's something that the Yankees really need to take a look at. On that cheerful note, I'm going to go to a break real quick. Coming up on the other side, one of my favorite segments from one of our older shows, Stay tuned, you're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Town & Country has been in business for nearly three successful decades. They know how to get the job done. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, well... Just about any place that you can pick up this radio station is a place Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country technicians are friendly, professional, and most important, knowledgeable. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't? Call Town & Country. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, you name it. Call Town & Country. Even raccoons and larger animals. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585 426 5024. That's 585 426 5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Call Town and Country Pest Solutions at 585 426 5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. I've been telling you about McAfee's remodeling company on this show for a long time. They're family owned and have been in business for nearly two decades. They're great for all your interior and exterior home remodeling needs, but they also do much more. 
The Caffey's Remodeling is now proud to offer hydro garden construction to help you become more self-sufficient by growing food in your own home year-round. And they are now proud to be offering skylights and light tunnel installation. Light tunnels bring more healthy natural light into your home, allowing you to use less artificial light and save on electricity. So give McAfee's Remodeling a call at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. You can follow us on Twitter at BTG Program. We're also at btgprogram.com. You can find our old episodes. You can also find some segments, uh, some fun discussions that we had that we've pulled out separately out of those episodes. I'm Zach Barletta. I'm filling in for Rick Benson this week. Speaking of which... It's a blessing to be in the studio with Benson, just to be in his presence as he makes radio magic every week. But it's also a blessing as we get to listen to some of the segments that he does where he brings a spiritual principle or truth out of a story that's in the news right now. And I thought while I'm doing the show myself this week, I would bring you one of my favorite segments. It's one that he did several weeks ago about Steph Curry and how Steph Curry tries to use his platform to be a witness for Christ. And When Benson did this segment, it really made me kind of evaluate my own life and whether I use my opportunities and my platform to be a witness for Christ as well. So here's that segment that Benson did on Steph Curry. I'm looking at this article online. They're basically mocking Steph Curry for his shoe and I can do all things written on it. Can't help but think. Some people just need to find a life. If you follow sports for more than a few minutes, it really doesn't take long to realize that high-level athletes, they're very meticulous about their workouts, about their daily routine, perhaps even more meticulous when it comes to their pregame warm-ups. Many are even downright superstitious about it. So with that in mind, it was probably even more impactful this past Wednesday when Steph Curry and the Warriors were in Miami to play the Heat. Curry altered his pregame warm-up to make some time so he could meet a fan who's battling a rare form of brain cancer. A four-year-old from Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls, New York, traveled to Miami for the chance to meet Curry. Curry gave the kid the sneakers that he used in that pregame warm-up. Then he took Sean Kennedy and his brother into the Warriors locker room so that they could meet some of the other players. Curry's a special cat. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that this is just a 26-year-old young man. He's open about his faith, though he's not Russell Wilson, he's not Tim Tebow, even though some people would like him to be. An article in Western Journalism this week said that one of the reasons Curry wanted to leave his deal with Nike and go to Under Armour was in order to have a platform to share his faith. This was something Nike wasn't willing to go along with. Under Armour and Curry came up with a shoe the recently released Curry 1 which they are promoting with the tagline, Charged by Belief. 
inside the tongue, it reads, I can do all things. This is what I guess this article is alluding to when they're mocking it. On the outside, on some of the varieties of it, it just says 4.13, referencing Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Curry said it represents a Bible verse I wear on my shoe, adding that it's also my mantra, how I get up for games, and why I play the way I do. Then he said, you don't want to scare people away with this idea that I'm perfect or that you have to be perfect to find that calling. It means a lot to be able to spread that message, whether that's what you believe or whether it helps you find whatever it is that motivates you to do all things. Every time you put on the shoe, it's a good reminder of what's possible. You think of the Apostle Paul who desired to be all things to all men so he could share the gospel. Much in this way, Curry saying, you know, listen, this is what it means to me. Maybe it's going to mean something different to you, but either way, you're walking around with a shoe that has Philippians 4.13 written on it. You're walking around with a shoe with a Bible verse. He's got a platform to share his faith. The sad thing is some people want to mock him for having that on his shoe. And sadder yet is that some fellow believers want to mock him because he's not doing a good enough job sharing his faith or he's not sharing his faith in the way they want him to share his faith. How discouraging is it that some people say that writing a Bible verse on a shoe is stupid? No, it may not be the platform that you would use, but it doesn't necessarily make it stupid. Some people say that sending a Bible verse through Twitter is stupid, or that a sports talk radio program that shares faith-based principles is stupid. It's not stupid just because it's not the way you would do it, or not the platform you choose. God has created people with different personalities, different skills, gifts which come natural to them. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says, You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Some people, you ever notice, some people have this gift. They're just very comfortable around people, and they naturally get in with conversations. They have this warm, welcoming personality that it doesn't make others uneasy when they're around them. People don't mind talking to them, not even if the discussion goes to faith or politics or other topics which tend to make people tense up. There's those people that they just make other people comfortable. But if that isn't you, you shouldn't be made to feel badly about that. Man, I get so frustrated with the do more, try harder philosophy that seems so easy for people to push. I get motivation. I'm all for it. And I get that I'm a sinner. But beating me up all the time and telling me what filth I am and how I need to do more for the church, how I need to give more to the church, and be there every time the doors are open, isn't a good balance of grace and truth. Yes, there are some elements of truth there, but constantly telling someone to do more or to try harder, it's just not good advice. The reality is that you can never do enough or try hard enough to make right our sinful condition. If it weren't for the grace and the mercy of God, we'd be lost without hope. So Christian, Please stop telling people to do more or to try harder without also talking about the cross. Stop telling them that if they're not a part of everything that's in your Sunday morning church bulletin, then they're not taking their faith seriously. Stop making people feel badly. Be more of an encouragement, not a discouragement. Stop with your foolish conferences and sermons telling people that if they aren't, sharing Christ with every single person they walk past in the grocery store, or they aren't singing and raising their hands at every one of your overly repetitive worship choruses, 
then they're not doing enough. Stop trying to make them hold hands, stand in a circle, and sing Kumbaya. Christian means little Christ, not little whatever your name is. Like I said, I'm all for motivation, but there can be a thousand different reasons for why people don't go to every service you have available at your church. And the answer to every struggle or every difficulty or enhanced spiritual growth is not always more church services or a particular prayer meeting or your small group Bible study. Listen, at the cross, Jesus accomplished it all. He paid the full price. There's nothing we can do to work towards our salvation or acceptance by God, which is why I say doing more and trying harder is not necessarily the answer. You can say those things. You can motivate by those things. But don't forget to bring up the cross. Make it about Jesus. That's the central focus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. I can do more. I can try harder by telling as many people as I can about the gospel. That's a good thing. But what I have to remember is I can't change their heart. That's something only God can do. And if you do commit your life to Christ, he will change you. And maybe then you will grow in your faith. And maybe you will want to share Christ with every single person in the grocery store. But perhaps just start by telling one person. Just tell somebody in your family. Just tell your closest friend. Steph Curry is comfortable putting his name and a verse on a sneaker. And he's comfortable talking about his faith when he's asked. I know a guy who knows him. He says that he talks often with those who are close to him about the things of Christ. And from what I know, he lives his life in an exemplary way. So stop trying to force him into the mold that you want him to fit into. I have a close friend. He knows the plan of salvation. He can probably tell you all the verses, but he doesn't believe it. His heart has not been changed. We were in youth group together. We grew up together. In fact, he was going to pursue a theology degree and become a pastor. But somewhere along the line, he determined he wasn't willing to give his life to Christ. He came to the conclusion that he didn't believe the Bible or the things it said. We're polar opposites, he and I. We have different political beliefs, our lifestyle choices, how we raise our families, what we believe about Jesus. I can't change his heart, no matter how hard I try. All I can really do is first I can pray for him. It all starts with God anyway. I can't do anything for him. However, God can use me to do something for him. God can use me as a possible agent of change in his life. Second, I can live my life as an example of Christ. When the time comes, when, if his heart is softened and he turns to God, I don't want my life to be so hypocritical that it gives him reason to further reject the truths of the Bible. And lastly, I can take advantage of the opportunities to share when they're presented to me. I can't force him into a decision. I can only tell him what I believe, how it has impacted me, and live as though I actually believe what I'm telling him. I can't hold him down or refuse to let him up until he accepts what I believe. I continue to love on him. I have a good time when we're together. We root for the Yankees together. I'm not going to be that guy who turns his back on his friends because we don't believe the same things. Now, that's not to say that I condone his sinful activities or that I share in them. I simply need to trust that God is in control of the situation 
and that he will work according to his will and in his timing. But God has given my friend a free will to make a decision for himself, just as he has you and I. My doing more, my trying harder is not going to save him from his sins. Only the cross, the grace of God, is able to do that. If you are a believer, though, what I'm saying should not be used as an excuse to not stretch yourself. As Christians, we should always want to be more like Christ each and every day. We should have a growing passion for making disciples. We should have a burden to see people come to know Christ. And we should be willing to push ourselves into doing things for Christ's sake, which perhaps is outside our normal comfort zone. Not because somebody told us we need to do more or try harder, and maybe not even all at once, but instead a steady, continual growth. Maybe you've been afraid to share your faith because you don't know what to say, or maybe you are sharing your faith but nothing's happening, people aren't committing their lives to Christ, you find yourself wondering if you're doing something wrong. Remember, only God, by His Spirit, can open someone's heart to the truth of the gospel. God is not expecting you to be Billy Graham. He's not expecting you to be somebody you're not. He's not expecting Steph Curry to be Tim Tebow. All we're called to do is share, and we should do that as much as is possible. But we should do that prayerfully, and we should do that as God presents opportunities. Now, when I say prayerfully, we should be praying for opportunities. Among Jesus' final words on earth were, Go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28:19. Sharing our faith isn't just a suggestion, it's a command. But you don't have to teach a Sunday school class, and you don't have to preach on a street corner if you happen to have an intense fear of public speaking. I'll tell you, one of the best ways to share your faith is to live a godly life. Non-Christians often look at Christians as hypocritical because we say one thing and then turn around and do another. Show those close to you that you care for them. Spend time with them. Offer to listen when they have problems. If you're living for Christ, they won't be able to deny the impact that Christ has had in your life. But living godly lives isn't enough. People do need to hear the gospel and know that God loves them, that Christ died for them, and that they can have eternal life. Tell them about God's plan, peace, and life with Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, John 3.16. Talk about the problem. We have a problem. Sin separates us from God. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. But then give them the good news. Tell them about the cross. Tell them about Jesus. God's grace and love repairs that gap of separation. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, he paid the penalty of sin. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. To receive Christ, a person needs to do a couple of things. They need to admit they're a sinner. They need to seek forgiveness from God. Go to God. Ask for forgiveness. Be willing to turn away from those sins. That's what it means to die to sin and then live to righteousness. Believe that Christ died for you on that cross and that he rose again, defeating death. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And if you don't know what to say, here's just a sample. And you can put this in your own words. But all you have to do is say, Dear Lord, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm asking for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again from the dead. And I trust you and I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life. Help me to yield to your will and to trust it in my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. No matter how much you do, no matter how hard you try, you're going to fall short if we don't get to the cross, if we don't talk about Jesus. Telling Steph Curry that he needs to do more with his platform or he needs to try harder, that's not the issue. He'll do as God leads him. If you're listening and you don't know Christ as your Savior, my prayer, my hope is that you would do that today. If God has spoken to your heart and perhaps you prayed that prayer, it would be an encouragement to us if you reached out to us through our website and let us know that. We'd love to pray for you. And Christian, let's not make cookie cutters of ourselves, but let's let's make disciples of Christ. That's what we're called to do. I'm Rick Benson. I'm so glad you're listening. This is Beyond the Game. If you've just been casually listening to the show this week, well, first of all, shame on you. It's a great show. Second of all, no, Benson's not on the show. If you're confused, that's a segment from several weeks ago that he did on Steph Curry. I really enjoyed it. wanted to share it with you guys again this week. We're getting to the point at the end of the show where we normally would go around the room, all of us, and share our pest of the week because we are brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. But it's just me, so there's only one. My pest of the week is Blake Mavesy, the fan at Wednesday night's Diamondbacks-Marlins game who took a selfie with the Diamondbacks' Brandon Drury after Drury flipped headfirst over the fence into the concrete area where Mavesy was standing. There was video of the incident up on MLB.com this week. You should check it out. In the video, you see Mavesy do absolutely nothing to help Drury as he's crashing face-first over the fence into concrete. Then, as an obviously winded and probably hurting Drury gets up, slowly makes his way back over the fence onto the field, Mavesy sticks his tongue out and takes an opportunistic selfie with him. Look, dude, if you'll take a selfie with the guy but not help him when he's falling into concrete, you're a dirtbag and you're also my pest of the week. Thank you for listening, everybody. This has been Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. As I mentioned before, we can be found on Twitter, at BTG Program. We're on Instagram, at BTG Program. You can find us at btgprogram.com. Dot com. Find our old episodes, some old segments, buy some cool merchandise, get a t-shirt with my face on it. Well, hello, handsome. Just go nuts. Anyway, this has been Zach Barletta sitting in for Rick Benson this week, but he'll be back next week. So have a good one, everybody. See ya. Zach out. Zach out.